Simmons and Mikkel Nielsen. All right. Bonjour. Shalom. What's up? And welcome to How You Living. Live in effect from Greenwood. Once again, the boys of Greenwood are back. And once again, we are guestless in Greenwood, which is all right. That's all right. We chilling. Chilling. like villains. Chilling. Sipping on the water today. Sipping on the water. High atop the rooftop million dollar studios, as always, bringing you the wokeness news on the planet. Not fake, but woke. How you living? You know, I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. Can't complain. How about you? Uh, starting out right now, man, uh, I feel like I'm living pretty good. Uh, I've been... You know, paying attention to uh, a lot of this political uh, discourse that's been going on. Of course, today uh, Trump addressed the Congress. Uh, it wasn't an official State of the Union because it's it's like it's, it's not, his first year. It's his first year, and it's like not his union yet because he's only been there for thirty nine days. So it's called like an addressed Congress, but it is definitely a very similar uh, thing to uh, to the to the state of the union and uh he you know amongst other things went ahead and uh told people about um his jobs plan and his defense spending plan and he uh you know kind of took a moment to celebrate the loss of ryan as he called the uh lieutenant or whatever uh rank uh special forces operative that you know died in yemen uh, not too long ago, in a in a supposedly successful operation, according to them. According to the generals. Yeah. Uh, but um, yeah. So the widow was there, and she was uh, kind of used as a tool in the speech. It was a little. It was a little awkward, actually. Donald Trump does that. Remember Marianne Mendoza? Oh, I I, I guess I don't remember that specific. I don't. What was what was her? Um. He when he first came into office and he did a presentation to Homeland Security. And he was using her basically as a prop to say that her son, who was a police officer, was killed by a drunk driving and a drugged out immigrant. Okay. So she was definitely one of those people who are like, hey, you, I want to do something about these immigrants. Yeah. And then so she became kind of um, his go-to person for representing that kind of plight that um is kind of at the center, I feel like, of this whole immigration thing. Yeah, so he definitely uses that. Well, uh, we might revisit um Trump's speech today, but we typically, if you're a listener, uh, know that we start with one segment and one segment only, and that's callbacks. Good, good, good callbacks. Yeah, I made that today for <laughs> the celebration of Chaz's callbacks. Yeah, catchphrase, catchphrase, catchphrase. So, uh, what do you what do you have uh, 
in store? What do you got ringing on the callbacks? What do I have for some callbacks? So, remember last week I told you guys about both the Let's Talk and the Ignite events? I did go to both of those, and they were super fun. So, we should start with the Let's Talk event. I feel like that was really good for discussing uh, the plights of what's going on with uh, people of color since uh, Trump has been uh, uh, in office and... uh, just kind of making sure that we can have these open conversations about why our status quo is different from other status quos. And I think it was a really good success. We found a lot of actionable things to do. I was able to take all of my time listening to more conservative radio stations, more conservative outlets, and I'm kind of getting a gist of what their mindset is. And I was able to project that to the group of like, this is what we can do to maybe open up conversations on that end so it doesn't always seem like doom and gloom kill all the people who aren't white blase blase and all that right right well um and that's so the uh and that was is that a summary of uh both of them or that was ignite no 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 that's that's the let's talk event okay so that was the the most recent one Right, yeah. Let's Talk was on Sunday, and Ignite was on Thursday. Thursday. So Ignite was really cool. It was I think it was the 32nd at night in Seattle, and there was a lot of interesting conversations. The one, there was an overarching theme about basically feelings and being honest to yourself and all that, so... So that was really interesting to see. And actually, one of my buddies, he did one, and it was called The World for Every Classroom is John Krasinski. I'm probably saying his name wrong, but um, his last name is spelled K-R-A-J-E-W-S-K-I. Yeah, so I'm going to play a little clip of what he did and then kind of just talk about that and give a general overview about what happened over in... uh, the other conversations. Clip time. Clip. You know, could we bring that power of education to, of games into education? So uh, I'm currently working on a project called Eco. Uh, So we founded a new studio and Eco is a game that simulates uh, an ecosystem of thousands of plants and animals for a single classroom. And this world is set in a a scientific simulation of an ecosystem where players have to build a civilization. And all their resources are coming from the environment, so they can affect the the environment that they're playing in. And the teacher is part of this world, so they understand what's going on and, like, what students are doing, and they can use this in their classroom. Yeah, so he is a game developer. He lives in Seattle. And we've hung out a few times. And I really liked it because... Definitely, even though Trump is trying to get old industries back and everything like coal, we definitely know that technology is the future. And the more that we know and use technology and learn about it, the better it will be. And I feel like using games like this, his game is more of an exploration about um, resources in the environment itself and how the overuse of that or the effective use of that can affect the growth of a community. Right. Okay. So, but I can also see that since games are such good learning tools nowadays, at the beginning of his presentation, he presented the Oregon Trail and how that was teaching you about the roughness that it was going from what, 1949 to, oh no, 1949. 18, like 1849. Yeah. When you lost Sarah to dysentery every time. Exactly. Am I going to ford the river? 
I don't know if I can afford the ferry. <laughs> right? I Money hunt. management, hunting, yeah. right? Making sure you have enough food, what pace you need to go at when you have to leave. There's a lot of logistics to the Oregon Trail. That, and you can learn a lot of good planning and trial and error in a safe space, and that's that's what games are good at. That's interesting. And that was part of the Ignite talk, huh? Yeah. And then there were some other ones. Uh, one that I also liked was a lady that she talked about you should be um like how to win an award and there was some good principles like be humble but when someone compliments you say thank you okay right which uh, like whenever someone compliments me sometimes i'm like oh man no or you brush it off like it, yeah it comes at you kind of like unexpectedly so mm-hmm. instead of being like you're welcome or having like a response ready mm-hmm. you know you're kind of like you just absorb it right and maybe a minute later you're like that person thanked me i should be more kind <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah it's interesting i mean have, have you ever noticed where you're doing an interaction though like at a restaurant or like a fast food place where you have to say thank you like four times because they're like thank you when you order and oh then it's yeah like thank you when they hand you the thing and then thank you when they hand you the change and then if you tip them if they have a tip jar there's a thank you Oh, yeah. You know, there's a lot of thank yous. Oh, it, that sounds like when we go buy weed sometimes. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Law and order. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so speaking of Law and Order, uh, did you ever get into any of the uh, cop show drama series oh my god because i mean, don't even know because that's been a big part of american television <laughs> yeah. for a while now you know so yeah homicide life in the streets right law and order all of them a- law and order all of them ncis's csi's right nypd blue see that one i was too young for okay right and, and i don't want to say i was too young for generally it was just that my family didn't want me watching something that violent when i was that young right so i didn't get a chance to start watching it to see that one and then you have even like expanded ones like bones yeah i, I mean you're naming like some of my favorites that i watch like cop procedurals I watch maybe that's like my second favorite type of TV show. There you go. I think my first one might be medical dramas. Do you? Uh, what's your What's your favorite incarnation of uh, the the Law and Order? Uh, SVU for SVU. sure. I- SVU. Is it Ice T? Is it Ice T? No, or- it it was it was the it was the Benson Stabler dynamic at first. <laughs> they had a really good dynamic together because Christopher Maloney, he's like you know he's this dude that you think is gonna be like a jacked up meathead and whatever, but he shows that he has a sensitive side. He cares about his daughter. He knows how to talk to um rape victims in a way that doesn't dehumanize them like right. he, like it was yeah like christopher maloney i'm like dude dude show men how to be men out there i mean uh, i have a little bit of a problem with what i just said because i don't think men need to be like quote unquote that person cisgendered men as a, as it forms the socialization but you, you know you know how that trope goes it has richard belzer though classic uh cop show uh, appearance guy. Yeah. They put him in all of them. He was also in previously mentioned uh, Homicide Life on the Streets. Oh, yeah. That was like pre-Law and Order, right? It was. It was another one that was, um, it came off of the um, the same book that produced um, The Wire. 
Oh, because okay. it was uh, yeah, it's based on that that the other parts of that same book, um, called which was called a homicide, a year on the killing streets, and so um, I guess the same author like, it it yeah, so it's just something to do with Baltimore murder scenes produces a lot of good television yeah i guess the wire would fall into that category too man and you know what i'm gonna do the blasphemous thing and say i haven't seen one episode of the wire me either actually which no. is weird. it's such a popular show All right we need to get on that i know we'll have to go we'll have to experiment with it go check it out um so then i wonder do you expand that to the penitentiary shows, because then you have Oz and you have Orange is the New Black. And no, those are two separate. Prison Break. Yeah, those are separate. That's, like that's a whole. When I watch a procedural, like the procedurals seem to fall into two separate categories, like uh, the the partner ones and the squad base ones. Okay. Right. So, yeah. like the partner ones, the one that I watch the most now is um Rosewood. Okay, right? I haven't seen that one. I'm yeah. Not... What is it? What's the uh, synopsis of Rosewood? Um, where does it take place? It takes place in Miami, oh, and okay. there is a homicide detective and a medical examiner that team up with each other to solve crimes in their own zany and unique way. Well, which is basically what the team ups are that I watch is like we solve crimes. I'm a crime. I'm a law person, and you're not. And we're gonna solve crimes in our zany and specific way do you know what doesn't count but is also a good show is brooklyn 99 oh yeah that's like a that's like a squad comedy show though it's a squad comedy yeah, yeah it's a squad like, a squamity no we don't, that, we a don't squamity. need it's squad comedy right like yeah. that's the thing about svu svu used to be um a buddy cop show and then it evolved into a squad show into a squad show yeah it'd be funny if then it was like but then it was more of a precinct show you know, yeah, you, there there is one of my favorite shows out of Canada. It's called Rookie Blue, and that's like definitely a squad cop show. Okay, huh? And, and then there's also this other one about um SWAT teams from Canada that I can't remember the name of it, but it has a uh, the Pink Ranger from Mighty Morphin Power Rangers in it. I guess the original Chips and like Miami Vice would all fall into this category too, huh? Yeah. Because those were longer form television shows, and yeah, that were in the squad slash partner dynamic. That's true. And like Hawaii, did you say Hawaii Five O? I didn't, but yeah, all of the Hawaii Five O's. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, true. Like, there's a lot of cop shows. There's a lot of cop shows because then that's not even including all the real ones, like the uh, f- forty eight hours. Right, what and, you gonna do? Yeah, what you cops, gonna do? We're not coming for all your bad boys. Reloaded. Bad boys. <laughs> cops shots fired. Three cops it's just so yeah i know interesting i mean i guess you know we love drama it's shakespeare right you know it's the constables of our time there yeah oh my god there was this other one that was out of chicago but it only lasted one season and the only thing i remember from it is um alderman gibbons was like the main villain and this one was it was it was weird there's so many Oh, there are so many. I the can't... Chicago Code? Yeah, the Chicago Code. I think it might still be on Netflix. If you just want to, I'm going to watch a cop show for a weekend, like when I'm sick, watch that. If you're into them. Like, it was a very interesting story arc. And I kind of wish they got a season two, but it's not horrible that they didn't. There you go. Well, that was interesting. I, yeah, I didn't even think when I first opened up, but I just, as soon as I started mentioning them, it just 
because I even didn't even mention most of them. I said NCIS and I said CSI, and each of those have like three or four. Right. You know, like CSI Miami, CSI Las Vegas. Yeah. I think there. I think there was at Los Angeles, maybe. Yeah. And then the NCISs. NCIS, and then there. Oh my God, there are so many. Yeah. And then there's all there's those ones too where there's a special person that helps the precinct solve crimes like medium and oh, right. <laughs> like matlock murder she wrote is that now murder she wrote falls in like matlock. the mentalist numbers like yeah. this, this like structure of a show is so prevalent but they find something different that's so like, funny it's ridiculous oh man <laughs> i guess those and those all yeah those all fall okay oh and then shit yeah you have uh criminal minds yeah oh my yo criminal minds is ridiculous that one's good yeah wow that is a big genre of i know it <laughs> is a big big genre of television there's a lot of people you want to create jobs <laughs> You don't have to hire more cops. Just create more cop shows. Exactly, right? We just need more people working on cop, buddy cop, and squad cop shows. Right? There was just one. There's another one recently called um, APB, and basically is a Tony Stark type dude. Oh, right. He takes they, over. He gets, like, voted in. He's like, as long as there's a unanimous vote. Yeah. It's me. And then and then he uses technology. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They were pumping it during the Super Bowl. I just remember seeing ads. And Yeah. I've watched a few episodes of it. It's it's cool. Okay. It's interesting. So that's kind of like a mix of it. It's like a precinct guy because mm-hmm. he takes over, but he's kind of like the medium character because he's, mm-hmm. he's adding something to it, you know? And then there was one that only got one season that really got me mad. I can't remember it, but it, it was a buddy cop. It had Carl Urban in it. Um, and I think Michael Eli is his name or something. And it, this one was in the, the near distant future, like 2061. And it, Carl Urban is a regular dude and his partner is an artificial robot. On almost human? Yeah, almost human. <laughs> yeah. That was my shit. Last one season, I'm so disappointed. JJ Abrams, why? What's on the wall, JJ Abrams? What's on in, the other side of the wall? In 2048, the uncontrollable evolution of science and technology has caused crime rates to rise an astounding 400%. <laughs> to combat this, the overwhelmed police force has implemented a new policy. Every human police officer is paired with a lifelike combat model android. Yo. Almost human. <laughs> Interesting. Right. Oh, man, again, that show was good. <laughs> I'm sorry. J.J. Abrams knows how to make shows. Like, he might like his lens flares, but he knows how to make a show. Oh, yeah, that is one of his. So he's, yeah, Bad Robot Pictures. Um, Bad which, Robot. Which is his, uh, yeah, it's his production company. Makes a lot of good good things. All right, man. Do you, what do you, uh, what do you have coming up on your planner there? Oh, let me see. Well, we got to do, um, you know, that one. Boo-boo-boo-boo watch. <laughs> you didn't tell me you did that one. I know. Boo-boo-boo-boo watch. <laughs> Isn't that what we're doing? Boo-boo-boo-boo watch. That's, that is what we're doing. Do you want to hear it one more time? <laughs> Boo 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 watch. 
There you go, man. Oh my god, that is great. So I got two bills coming down the pipe. Um, one I'm really happy about, and one is interesting because there's um a fake meme going on Facebook representing it. So the first one is HR nine seven five respect state marijuana laws act of two thousand seventeen, and that's by Dana Warrenbacher. He is not a she; it's a he. And I think he's from California, and which is awesome about this one. Wrong. wrong. I'm sorry, Donald Trump thought you're wrong. It's facts, true. It's fine. Just move Man, on. Man, whatever, Sean Spicer. Anyway, <laughs> what's great about this bill is that it has 14 co-sponsors, and seven of them are Democrats, and seven of them are Republicans. Hmm. I know. Interesting. There, there's some bipartisan stuff going on here. In all this, I'm like, wait, what, fam? Are you serious? Uh, I hope you're serious. So they're sponsored by 14, split across the aisle. Okay. Yeah. And and another thing, too, is some of the spon- one of the sponsors is from Kentucky. Okay. I know. Okay. What is this? I don't know. This might be the start of marijuana legalization, like national marijuana legalization. Interesting. Right. This is at least, like, maybe that's my, like, long-term pipe dream. But, you know, a man can hope. And my next one is, oh, I didn't tell you the number for Dana Rohrenbacher, but if you like this, you want them to put it on the House floor to get voted on, make sure you call your um, constituents. And if you don't know where to find your constituents, go to uh, call, let me see, make sure I get this one right, callmycongress.com, put in your address or your zip code, and they'll tell you who your representatives are. And you can reach Dana at 202 225-2415. So I should tell you that most of their numbers start with 202 because that's the DC's area code, and 225 is basically just all of them start with that. So what was the the representative and the number again? Uh, Dana Rohrenbacher, um, 202-225-2415. Just kidding. Wouldn't that be funny? Wow. <laughs> they were like you for real <laughs> and then and the next one is hr 676 expanded and improved the medicare for all act and this one is by john coiners uh, jr and he can be reached at 202-225-5126 oh he hung up dang i know he man. cold he was born in like 1929 he old Oh, oh, it's going back. It's going to go to voicemail, you know. It. <laughs> and he probably hasn't set it up. Right. But the the one thing about this bill, it's great that it's out there, but it all of its uh, co-sponsors are Democrats. Okay. So, and I think that's just going to be a non-existent thing that they'll be talking about if they're, like, I don't see that getting any traction because, you know, the Republicans have their own plan about repeal and replace which i actually think is getting some pushback now so i don't think that's going to happen as quickly as everyone once thought so you know we can breathe a little bit easy yeah yeah well yeah there's there's definitely pushback um although there are still talking heads out there that are saying repeal and replace no other option repeal and replace but yeah um the the people that they have to account for are going to be the ones that um would would no longer if they eliminate it would no longer be insured you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, and that estimate is always between 10 and 20 million. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And a lot of them are in the red states. And so they know at this point if they don't give them health care, 
they're losing the next election. Yeah. That's an interesting, yeah. It's an interesting uh, problem. <laughs> I don't know. That that just seemed appropriate. Um so yeah, so is that and that was your two bills for the Those are my two watch, bills for the so. watch segment. Um and then uh Congress got their speech today from uh, Mr. Trump. Oh yeah. Um and you know, we did take note. Uh the Democrats didn't no show. They were there, they filed in. Yeah, I didn't think they would no show to that one. No, no. I mean obviously, um it's too early. Uh but yeah, no and it was uh it was an interesting speech. Uh what what stood out about it um from what you saw or what you've uh you've seen since uh he had his speech earlier today. Which was uh definitely a lot of this. So, anyway, go ahead. <laughs> Basically I feel like he presented his platform has how it's always been, but I think he tweaked it a little to say, hey, you people who don't like me, you benefit from this too, okay? And then I'm like, not all of us. <laughs> not all of us, Donald Trump. Not all of us. Right. That's funny. And then uh, he definitely mentioned that he wants to have Congress pass a $1 trillion infrastructure spending bill. In order to get jobs stimulated in those economies, um, you know, it's an interesting thing. There's actually, I was uh, caught a little bit of CNBC last week, and there were some uh, different industrial kind of construction, different um, mm-hmm. of those industries. Uh, stocks were going up just in anticipation of the lar- large contracts that are going to be handed out. Yeah. Um, certain people are going to be there to gain, and it's going to be people that have, you know, that are, exist right now. So, um, yeah, I think, yeah, I think that's a real thing. Go ahead. I know. I was going to say what's probably happening is a lot of mutual funds, a lot of individual investors are probably like, yeah, um, we're going to start putting these in here because we think it's a long-term investment that we can believe in. And I think if Donald Trump says, I'm going to start, like if he does something with the Hyperloop or if he because see the big thing about this is i would love to see a transformation of our energy grid um to more renewables and less fossil fuels but i we of course we're not going to see that happen anytime soon right but that would be an amazing sort of uh, industrial upgrade that would start new jobs and also kind of start showing people this is where the jobs are going so when you start learning some things, the high school curriculum, start teaching this. Colleges, start building. And a lot of colleges actually already have departments for it, but more colleges can build departments for it. But that's a pipe dream with this administration, I believe. Yeah, for sure. I believe that, too. It's And then, um, you know, they, they don't... They, they He basically plotted out a lot of basic uh, outlines of what he wants to do, but there was no meat... You know, yeah. So, um, what what Congress is supposedly gonna have to hammer out in order to make all these things happen is still vague, as always. So we'll uh, <laughs> we'll see. Um, it'll be interesting to see which ones they they push first, because that was kind of always the dilemma. They their their nitpick with Obama was that he fought so hard for healthcare first. They were like, we would have bent on a few other things, but he was so hell bent on healthcare, and 
it's going to be interesting what agenda they they set forth. Ah, yeah, I surmise that he's going to do jobs first, specifically um, uh, fossil fuel jobs and steel jobs. Are there the are there? I mean, what they call the projects for infrastructure shovel ready. Are there shovel ready jobs available for for those industries? I mean, can we? Can you just? Is that why we keep hearing these talks about selling off lots of uh, of the the national parks and things? Are we expanding where we're going to get minerals? Because what where are we not right now going after resources that that currently exist? So I don't think that's actually the problem. I think if you follow their logic line of everything they're doing, the reason why they put I think his um, I forget his name, but the guy who is the chair of the EPA. The reason why they put him on there is so he can, well, one, he could demolish the EPA, but he's going to slash the regulations that stop them from mining certain things because of the destruction they did for the planet. They don't see the saving of the planet as something they should be able to do because, you know, people can't eat because capitalism's a bitch. So, right. So they're going to cut the regulations. That's why he said for every new regulation, two need to be cut because the regulations or as they surmise is stopping them from uh, taking coal that they've already mined out or coal in other places that could be mined out and they could start doing that. And if they can start mining more coal, then they can start having more coal mining jobs in places where that is a big part of their culture like West Virginia. Okay. Well, um, yeah. The, and maybe after the, let me lead into a conversation we can have about um, the DNC chair uh, election. Oh, because yeah. I have a clip. I have a clip from the overall winner of that re- that recently occurred, um, where he is paired against uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, and is also there present is Nancy Pelosi, who's of course currently the House Democratic leader. Yeah, I can't stand Nancy Pelosi. And then Representative Jim Jordan. Um, who is of, I think it was a U.S. rep for Ohio's 4th Congressional District. He's been serving since 2007, um, and he's a Republican. So the two of them have kind of a discourse about uh, what Trump's agenda means going forward, starting with uh, former Secretary of Labor and current DNC chair winner, uh, Tom Perez. Excuse me. which is a projection of strength and authority, have to deliver. Right now, American companies are taxed at one of the highest rates anywhere in the world. My economic team is developing historic tax reform that will reduce the tax rate on our companies so they so that was actually uh not what i was going for so that was the clip from uh from donald trump's speech that just occurred Uh, and so uh let me just give you this He doesn't, in very real terms, if he can't supersede a situation where a president cut the unemployment rate in half, if he can't do better, if he can't open factories and all the rest that he's promised, 
then I think he's in trouble. I want to agree. Okay, so we're talking about Democrats and Republicans working together. I agree with the Secretary. I actually think if the Republican Party was looking for its most pristine conservative voice, they probably would have picked somebody other than Donald Trump. It's the idea that he's willing to take on things and fight, and he's willing to really address these basic economic issues. That's what he has he to deliver on. But, but what are the concrete things that he has to deliver to Let, let me be specific case. about this, which is I think at the end of the day, it is making those uh, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Ohio, working class people see a real difference in their life. We'll be able to track it through their take home pay and greater economic opportunity. If that doesn't happen, I agree. Okay, so we're in trouble. But look, that is unfortunately going to have to be the last word. We don't have any time. So uh, that was Jim Jordan, the guy I mentioned from Ohio's 4th District. So his claim is that Donald Trump will have to deliver on jobs to the region that delivered the presidency to Trump. And uh, how much do you believe that? Is that part of this blue wave that could come sweeping in 2018 to take back over Congress? Oh, no, no. They... From these town hall meetings and all these things that we're seeing, kind of this, this, this Tea Party-esque movement, as they keep trying to claim in the media. Uh, but, yeah, this interesting wave, this blue wave. It's, I mean, it's not surprising. Um, it, they are... And I'm from Philadelphia, and I definitely know a lot of Philadelphians who are basically blue-collar workers that are like, I'm for Trump. Because personality-wise, they sound just like Trump. But if, if their friends and neighbors who lost their jobs in the economy don't get their jobs back, do those people find a way to go blue in the coming elections? Depends on the candidate. Like, do you don't think so? You don't think they'll hold Trump responsible for, for jobs? In those regions, like in Pennsylvania and Ohio, and it, it depends. It depends on the because that's what he was saying. That's what Re Representative Jim Jordan was saying. There was that uh, th that that's where the voters are going to hold them accountable. And I I don't even know if that's true either. I don't know if if the voters are are paying that much attention to that. If they are so on board with his other policies, you know. No, definitely. Well, I can't say for sure, but. During the lead up to the election, I read a, a quite a few articles that said when they were talking to people watching the debates, they were like, so who do you like? They're like, I, I like Donald Trump. And they're like, why? Because Donald Trump talks about jobs. Hillary doesn't. Right. And so that's and, a cook a callback. It's on one of our other episodes. Right. <laughs> and so what has to happen is if Donald Trump delivers on jobs, there's I don't think there's a way he's not getting reelected. Okay. Right. So that's the kind of the inverse of what I was saying. Oh, m let me continue. Yeah. If he doesn't deliver on jobs, then I speculate that there's two things that have to happen. Either if he doesn't deliver on jobs, but you give us um Elizabeth Warren as our 2020 Democratic candidate, okay, he'll get reelected. Because she, unless she talks directly to them and says, uh, this is where he failed on getting you jobs. This is where the new industries are going. I'm going to help you get to these new industries so you can build a better life for yourself. Then she can win. Or Otherwise, I feel like they're going to say, Obama had eight years to do his thing. Why don't you give Trump eight years to do his thing? These things take time. Let him take the time to do the things. Okay, right, which is, yeah, the overall argument they're going to continue to have. Um, 
so let's kind of feed that in since you mentioned Elizabeth Warren being kind of one of the champions of the far uh, left of the Democratic movement, which is kind of what's going on right now is there is a division currently. And as much as they want to present it as different, uh, the champion of that side that was in this election was Ellison. Yep. And uh, he lost to Tom Perez, who's considered kind of a more establishment candidate of the DNC. Mm-hmm. And I think it was just over 447 votes is all that's cast in the Democratic election for their, their chair. Yeah. Um, so it's a very kind of behind-the-scenes, very collegiate uh, 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 n- natured uh, event, and and there is uh, rumblings in the party from the left, the far left, that that should be more open, and that probably should be a larger vote and be more liberal esque in the sense that uh, you know a candidate like Bernie or or Elizabeth Warren would never be elected, you know, the head of the the Dems right now. And so, that Ellison was kind of the, the closest akin to that. And the fact that, and I mean, apparently there was already a situation where whoever got elected, the other one was going to be the deputy, uh, supposedly. But that, I kind of can get that. Yeah, because Ellison is now the deputy chair. So, which carries with it some weight. I mean, you know, you, you, you know you're an important figure on the committee. Um, so what did, what did you take away from, uh, we've had a couple days to kind of digest what Mm -hmm. happened. What did you take away from the Democratic National Committee's chair elections? Uh Uh-huh. I guess the short of it is that the moderate liberals and the progressive liberals aren't in sync. And I don't think the moderate liberals are doing anything to talk to the progressive liberals to get them in sync. They're kind of just going, we have control. You don't want four years of Donald Trump, right? So why the fuck don't you like us? Right? That's their approach. And we're like, uh, because we're broke and we're having a hard time living and we want our identities to be able to live in the world in a way that's unrestrictive. Right. Right? So, and so I think right now, like, on the surface, uh, what's his name? Perez just basically looks like a kick in the face to the progressive liberals. And when you look at the numbers that happened in the primary between uh, Bernie and Hillary, Hillary did get basically 60%, 65% of the vote, but there's still four, 35 to 40% of the liberals that you have to align to your side if you're going to have one central candidate that they'll vote for. Because... Because you had some people who would normally vote blue, and those blue states vote red after Bernie was out. And so you lost some of those people. So if you're going to bring them back in, you're going to have to have a candidate that talks to the people. That is basically what Trump did, and they still don't get it. They get they get really hung up on the tone of what he said in the content of the frameworks of the things that were really bad. And those were really bad. But if you watched any single rally that they went to, the thing was the same. I don't give a flying fuck what he says. He can call anybody whatever things. Donald Trump will get results, and that's what they cared about. So unless you have someone on the DNC chair that can say, I can get results, and I can get results better, you're not going to take back the White House. Okay. 
Yeah, I mean, well, and it's and it starts with the. Uh, all, I mean, right now, with the from what I'm hearing from the Democrats, is it starts with every race. They're literally st- stating uh, from every school board to the presidency, from the top of the ticket to the bottom. Uh, so they want to be a candidate in all the elections across this country, and they need to be a force in the. I mean, when you look at the 2016 presidential. Uh, map by county, it, you know, it's giant swaths of this nation are red, and they have to somehow infiltrate there. They have to move in. They have to be part of the school board. They have to be elected mayor. They have to be elected to state representative or mm-hmm. to the state legislature. Um, apparently, there was just a tie that was just garnered by the Dems in one of the southern states, mm-hmm. which is going to allow for a little more progressive. Uh, of a of a of a legislature in that state and and that's a big deal you know when it comes to bringing in medical marijuana or lessening uh sentencing for different offenses that mm-hmm. are nonviolent and all the different progressive movement things that we kind of take for granted out here on the west coast cuz we're we're coming up on 20 and 30 years of progressive politics on the west coast mm-hmm. and uh and we're you know there's there's a lot of places that uh, need it and I mean it's interesting when you see things like Nevada you know being yeah. s- kind of probably so affected by being adjacent to California mm-hmm. that they share such a large border that that there is kind of some liberal ideas that spill across into to Nevada and Las Vegas is four hours away from Los Angeles so yeah yeah so that's an interesting dynamic that they have there that's a weekend trip for a lot of those people yeah so when and you keep getting people go there and on the weekends i think it's easy to propagate those ideas uh, over time right so i was trying to find a vote tally from the 447 i take it it must be a secret ballot no i think when i read it it was um 200 for ellison and 230 for perez so we're relatively close so what ended up happening is there was like five of them and uh, Ellison had 200 votes right out the gate, and uh, um, Perez had 214. And then the other of the 30 was um, some other people I can't remember. So then that was basically like the semifinals, and then the finals happened, and then basically all those votes went to Perez. Okay, I see that's how that worked out. Interesting. Um, I mean, in... He's he's going to be an interesting voice. I mean, uh, isn't he technically a Muslim? Yeah, I mean, that's the faith he pa- practices. Right, yeah. So he's the first uh, Muslim, like, out, uh, House. Well, first of all, the DNC chair, but I think he's the first in the House. Oh, uh, really? Um, yeah, there was something that. Because I was reading this article that actually came out on Mother Jones. Um, in January, and it was setting up its quote of the headline is why Tom Perez is strong competitor against Keith Ellison in the Democratic Party race. Mm-hmm. So I was just kind of reading that just to kind of get an idea of what the conditions were prior to that election, because I heard more about it post the election. And I listened, I heard a lot of um, people talk about uh, his Tom's win and on the Sunday talk shows. And so I've had that. So then I kind of wanted to go back. And it looks like they do have a lot because, you know, to some degree, Ellison has to reach towards the center 
Um, he has some of his his verbiage on like his website is very similar to Tom Perez's. Okay, yeah. About you know strengthening the Democratic Party through opening up and and being more, you know, widespread and and entering into to people's lives and knowing where they're making the difference as opposed to just you know business as usual. You know, because mm-hmm. I think that's kind of the Hillary message of 2016 election was we can't continue to do business as usual. Yeah. Interesting statement, though. Hillary is dropping like like promo promos for the Democratic Party and like is has like audio clips coming out about how it's like resistance and persistence. Like, if, did you hear that? You didn't hear that? No, I have not heard this. Yeah. If you yeah. can see my face now, listeners, I'm like, what the what? Yeah, that's uh, a thing that's been been out there. Um, so what I think that Perez can do, because I saw Perez, on, he was on Bill Maher uh, last year, and he was a part of the Department of Labor in Obama's administration, and he talked about how he increased jobs as a part of that administration. Hello, Democrat. <laughs> She's really bold. Go ahead. Um, and he... What was it? He was basically talking about how he created jobs as a part of that administration, and he pointed out one job that links into what Trump was saying about steel. Um, during the address to Congress, he did talk about when we're doing pipelines and new things, it has to be done with American steel. And he basically said this guy worked in steel for 20 years, but then lost his job at the plant. So then he um, had a way for him to relearn skills while getting hired by a company. And then he went back and talked to them again. And he said, I used to use my brawn for 20 years. Now I'm using my brain, but still using the skill set he had. So and I, I bring that up because that was Hillary's platform, even though Hillary never like I think she said it in one of the debates, but it was on her website. And she was going to places and talking to coal miners and saying, this is how we're going to re-educate you. But they were really just like, I don't need to be re-educated. I just want to work. And that is where, like, and that's where I think I'm actually, that's when, after I heard that, I was okay with Perez. Because Perez is like, I've taken that blue-collar worker, I've taken their skill set, and I've brought it into the future. And I think in order to be Donald Trump in four-ish years, you need to be able to tell those people, I'm going to take your skill sets and I'm going to bring them into the future. Yeah, and make them, yeah, advance to today's standards. and yeah, It's not today's standards. It's the status quo is going to change whether we like it or not. And that status quo change is going to be within the next 30 years. And because it's within the next 30 years, that is a generation for people. So that means kids now... Growing up thinking they can do certain jobs will be surely disappointed when they're 25 to 30 years old. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, for sure. I mean, automation alone is going to be replacing more um, more jobs than any other like country mm-hmm. changing their, their tax laws or any other country getting a trade agreement or any oil pipeline or anything we do. Uh, the number one thing that's going to continue to eliminate different industries <laughs> and jobs is going to be automation. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, that that's just going to continue to happen. It happens in every sector. I mean, it's happening in the military. You know, it's happening in industry. It's happening in the schools. It's happening in our in our hospitals. Yeah, I think it's going to happen fast enough that I do think the conversation about post capitalism needs to start happening. 
Right. Right. Post-capitalism. Like what, and would be like, uh, describe what you mean. Um, what do you want to see from that? No, no, no. Basically, it just means that automation will become so efficient that anything that a human could need that a human used to do as menial tasks would be done by robots. So that part of the economy would be gone. So the system that is capitalism won't be able to be upheld by the amount of workers in the workforce. So therefore, you have to find a new system in order for the world to work on. Yeah, I'm trying to find. I cannot find you the uh, the the direct quote of her uh, persistence resistance, but uh, it's out there. Um, you'll come across it, I'm sure, now in the coming week. So she's essentially was just telling Democrats to you know stand firm and well, that's good. Continue the fight. I mean, I know there's a, there, there's been some Facebook threads out there because there's always the people. There were some people on Twitter that said, "Yo, Bernie's still out there doing things with Hillary," and then there's people saying like, "Hillary is a civilian. Hillary worked for us for how long? And you want Hillary out there? Give the girl some time to rest." And they're always like, "Bernie's job to be out here. He's a senator," and I'm just like, "Okay." My argument to that was definitely like the senator thing was important, but it was just the the words of encouragement um, that I think people were looking for from Hillary that they weren't getting that Bernie was out there <laughs> right after he lost the race and he kept doing it. But now that she's doing it now, it's kind of like, cool. You yeah. Got your breather in. Tom, All right, let's go. Tom Perez didn't eliminate her in a questioning from George Stephanopoulos from that earlier program I should played the clip from uh this week on abc uh he he kind of dodged the question of whether the democrats would support her as a candidate in 2020 for the presidential nomination so it's only i don't know isn't that interesting no you can't run hillary again i mean i'm, I'm sorry guys but you i guess can't they can't run hillary again but at this point in time they can't say they can't yet that's an interesting part. Right. You you know you can't. Be, because you can't because that's basically throwing the votes all Donald Trump's way. Right. Or something. Yeah, I see what you're saying. And and plus they ran on the never Trump, right? What is he going to do in four years? Unless you impeach Wrong. him. Right. Unless he gets impeached with where I only think he'll get impeached um, if he... It, Okay, two ways I think you can get impeached is if we take over, I say we as Democrats, even though I'm independent, I'll, I'll be on your allegiance for now to get back to the status quo, folks. Anyway, anyway, <laughs> and we can get enough Democratic people in the House of Representatives and the Senate in order to start the impeachment um impeachment process, or at least, you know, putting forth legislation that will say, hey... Let's check on these things that we needed to back then that the Republicans just didn't want to. And or or that he does something so nefarious, so outrageous, so outlandish that not even the Republicans can stomach it, then he'll be put in impeachment process. And I think that's possible, but I don't know how possible because I think he might slow his role a little bit if he's actually about helping his constituents in that way. Yeah, and it can be pretty bad for... Uh, the Democratic Party um, to go after impeachment if he's actually succeeding on some of these fronts. Exactly. Because it'll, yeah, it'll look like you're trying to, yeah, just, yeah, it'll look bad and partisan. Um, but I think, like, the DNC really needs to <clears throat> find a candidate 
that I feel can talk to the liberal intellectuals, the ones who care about keeping their status quo, they want to have their high-paying intellectual jobs, they need to be able to flex that muscle and flex that degree of pedigree. Right. I also think you also need that person to talk to the progressive liberals, and these are the LGBTQ, the people who are just a little bit different, or what else is there? And I feel like in that space, too, are black people and how you're going to say this is how I plan to reform the police so that it polices everybody effectively and fairly and then things like that. But I also feel like you need that person to talk to those working class people who are like, yo, I want to be able to work. My lifestyle is I have a house and my wife. I have two kids. I have my car. I want to have a job that allows me to pay for all that, pay for it comfortably, save up a little bit of money for a retirement, save up some money for some vacations, enjoy Disney World with my family, enjoy something else with my family for a little bit, and just be fine and copacetic. And I think I feel like those are like the three avenues that you need a candidate to talk to. And I felt like Bernie talked specifically to one. Hillary talked to another and Trump talked to the third. So that's why the votes were so weird and split this um can like this time around. Yeah. I mean, we just kind of have to move on. Obviously, 2016 is in the books. Mm-hmm. Um, we got to go forward. Um, there's different state legislature elections that'll happen periodically through this year and next, with uh, major house votes and everything happening in 2018. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then and then everything kind of goes from there. Um, and then half of the Senate, the like following four years, two years later, and then half the Senate two years after that. And yeah, there's uh there's a lot of time. I mean, <laughs> as of the law currently, he can only serve eight years. <laughs> I don't think they're gonna change that amendment. No, I'm just saying. So, so I guess worst case scenario, uh, January twentieth, eight years after 2017. What is that? That's gonna be. That would be 2025. Yeah, yeah, that would be 2025. 2025, January twentieth, 2025. We might be free of a Trump president. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, we'll dun, be dun, free dun, if, dun, dun, dun. like, okay, I mean, so there, there, okay, and so there's enough people now that I think have uh, aligned allegiance with the DNC simply because they're like, I don't want Donald Trump, no, but then there's still a contingent of people who are like, yeah, I don't like Donald Trump, but I don't like y'all bitch asses either, and until you tell me something, I'm a like. That that talks to me, that speaks to me, that speaks to my soul, that speaks to my predicament, that speaks to my way of life, that speaks to how I want to live, my hopes and dreams, whatever. I ain't going to bounce with y'all, right? And I also say that too, but there's also the half of eligible voters that didn't vote as well too. Right. And I think, actually, I think we should try to find some people who didn't vote in this election and definitely talk to them. Like, I don't... I think we kind of have a good idea as why they didn't vote, but kind of to ask them like what Trump could do to get their vote in 2020 and what would a Democratic candidate need to do in 2020 to get their vote. All right, man. Well, uh, I do know that you had something you wanted to play, uh, a clip of something or another topic. No, no. You've gotten through those? No, I didn't have any clips for Tom Ellison and... uh, 
the, anything like that. I was going to try to find when Ellison was speaking on The Daily Show. And, okay. and that, but if you can find that clip, watch it, because he was really, really good. And he, he was like, I'm for the people. I'm about getting boots to the ground. And I should say, because I still get emails from the Democratic National Party, and I did get an email today or yesterday from uh, Tom Perez that he he wants he wants to do more grassroots things. So it, at least the emails are saying it, but you got to get in front of the media and say it. So if he said it, I think he did say some of that stuff in his. Uh, he he said it? it on this this interview that I have. Yeah. Quoted today. Yeah. Yeah. So if he keeps saying, but. But then uh, I need to see how long it's going to take them to get boots on the ground. Because they need boots on the ground. They need to go to town halls. They need to preempt town halls. They need to preempt town halls in places that they that have are entrenched Republicans. Where they're saying, like, we're doing a town hall not to promote ourselves, but to ask you what you need and what your real problems are. Right. And we, anyone can attend those. Exactly. And then, because what I feel like you need to do is you need to, um, oh, God. I can't think of the word, but you need to go there. You need to find out what their problems are. Then you need to find a candidate that can speak to those problems that will run on a Democratic ticket. And you got to make sure that he has the right values, the right like framework that they're going to say, oh, I like this guy. Like if you get a farm boy that went off to college and came back and said, hey, I'm trying to help my family out here. We have we have great people who are out here. We have They have a great set of skills. I believe that if we can work with these companies and, and show them what skills they have, we can bring back jobs to, you know, wherever this place is. We can bring back jobs to here. These are, you know, I went to the big city. I saw what they were working on. And I definitely see that this is going to be the future. So I'm going to say, hey. My people here can help you with this aspect of it, so let's go on to the future together. Like, things like that. Speaking of jobs, do the private detective shows count as the buddy cop kind of comedy, or uh, buddy cop or squad cop show? Because you, they're, they're also kind of like the medium. They're helping out often. The Columbos. I guess that would be the Matlocks. The, uh, the Rockford Files. Okay. You know, the rogue private detective. That's out there on his own. Oh, is that okay. his own genre? It it might be just a it's a cop show, and I think it's just yeah, it might be not its own genre, just a subgenre okay. of that. Because really, I think they're all like you know, um, crime procedurals, and then there's different like archetypes of those procedurals. Oh right, because these guys are always just outside the law. Mm-hmm. You know, thanks a lot, Rockford. Oh my God. Keep your nose clean. <laughs> You know, <coughs> freeze frame. Well, uh, I think we might have uh, accomplished our goal. Uh, do you have any uh, last uh, like information or or? I got my um uh, my last my last segment. I always do the grow your brain segment. Nice. All right. Um, this one is another YouTube channel. It is called Curse of Gods. In a nutshell, um, I'll spell it out for you just in case you're like, oh, what are you saying? Um, it's K U R Z E G. No, sorry, K U R Z G E S A G T, and their description is basically videos explaining things with optimistic nihilism, and they make science look beautiful because it is beautiful, and they do a video a month, but I think they're amping up their um, output a little bit more, and I just watched their video on will robots get rights. 
Because definitely I'm all about looking at how automation is going to take over our world in this next generation and definitely looking at how America is going to deal with it. Because I think if we don't deal with it, at least start dealing with legislation in the next five years for it, it's going to blindside a lot of people. Okay. Yeah, it'll be a, a tidal wave. No one will see it coming. That'll be a problem. Yeah. Uh I mean, yeah, the 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 <laughs> it's a tough it's a tough outlook future right now. Um I hopefully I mean, basically what we have the the, the other part we didn't even mention outside cuz there was so much Congress talk cuz of the address today, but um you know, there's still that Senate uh Supreme Court nomination floating out there and Gorsuch or Gorsh is going to be uh is going to eventually be accepted. Yeah, I'm okay with that. So, we're going to have to move on from there and uh we'll see we'll see what happens then. I and you know, it seems like uh Kellyanne Conway is kind of keeping her face out of the media as best as possible. It seems like she's kind of keeping a lower profile than she was mm-hmm. weeks prior. So, we'll see where where that if that continues and uh if Sean Spicer keeps his job. Spice Watch. Sean Spicer will keep his job. Yeah, for now. For now. They lose. They, he, they You know, that's the, the those guys always leave. Yeah. You know, they often become, uh, I mean, he doesn't really have the, the, the temper for it. Uh, but, you know, a few of them have become broadcasters. Uh, the Republican ones have become uh, Fox News broadcasters. And uh, the, mm. the uh, Democratic ones have become Democratic. Yeah, it's a common common thing, but you know Spicer's like anti media, so no, no, Spicer's a puppet. Yeah, he he is a puppet. He 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 is. You're the, you're the puppet. No, he's a puppet. You're the puppet. <laughs> no, I'm not a puppet. You're the puppet. <laughs> I'm no puppet. No, you, you're totally a puppet. No, <laughs> you're the puppet. <laughs> he could have a. Jesus! <laughs> waking you up. Waking you. <laughs> Ain't no puppet. <laughs> All right. Oh my god, I do. I do have a song that I want to play at the end. It is. Um, I think they're Indonesian. Um, I just heard it on Spotify, and I really. It, it kind of has like a nice R and B beat to it, and it's. It's pretty. It's pretty get down. All right. Well, then for my last fun bit, I'm gonna play you my my what I wanted to be the outro because it's 30 seconds of a callbacks remix full version. Oh, oh my god. Callbacks. 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 Kukuku callbacks. There you go, man. That's your full, full version of your callback song. Dang, yo, that was hot. That was hot, yo. I got, yo, it looks like I got some spit game. Kukuku callbacks. Why? Callbacks. That's how it all starts, man. Uh, all right. So, uh, as always, get me at Sea Town Mayor, Municipality, Seacoast. You got me on the twits and the tweets. Uh, I'll do that more. I try. I'm on the Instagrams too. That's unedited PDX from my my old podcast. 
Mm. So I'm the unedited PDXer on on a few things. Um, but yeah, keep me uh, keep me in your thoughts and minds. What about you, there, Chaz? Uh, you can catch me at CRSI. I I've done a little bit of twittering. It's also got some new followers. I don't know if it's from this podcast or not, but you know, tweet at me if you have anything you want to see on the show. Uh, tweet at me for as always. Any hashtag Bill Watch things that you want me to talk about on the show? And Bill Watch. Yeah. So other than that, I'll see you guys next time. Um, where hopefully we'll get a guest on next time and it can talk about some cool zany things. You armchair intellectuals, you. All the I guests. Know who you are. Thank you again. Peace out. Take care. Peace. Resistance and persistence.